The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water. I'm Sharon Kleina. We're into our soon seventh year, and we've been talking about how important water is every moment of your life on this planet Earth and and affecting the universe, the whole solar system. Without the water, there'd be no life. And of course, having water on the planet Earth, it could be obviously affecting the solar system, having an influence in time. Did you know that that water in the air you're breathing has been a focus of mine for many, many years of research? I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center. And biologic aqua research studies the atmosphere, the water, and the air, and what that impact is on you personally and all life on Earth. In other words, that invisible water that affects the water on the Earth, the fresh water, and affects the air you're living in, and the cloud system, and all this universe is your invisible water. And that invisible water is what keeps you alive. This is the example. The moment you were born and you entered in that air you live in, in that delivery room, you left a pocket of water. Nature had you living in water. But once you arrived into the atmosphere of that birth spot where you were born, at that moment, you no longer were in the pocket of water, that pool of water. It's the air, the invisible water in the air that must keep you alive. That is why it is so important that you drink 8 to 10 glasses of water a day. It is so important that you recognize the atmosphere is vital to your health. And the results of that education will help you live longer, healthier, and then look out at the earth as it is. It's a magic. It's a miracle. There's something so powerful that you must realize that that power of water is what's keeping you alive. And the show has been about that for all going on seven years. This guests we bring on from all over the world to join us have been all dedicated to your health and your education and how important it is for you to learn more. Can you learn enough? No, but can we be reminded? Yes. Do we know it all? Impossible. And even if a person is brilliant enough to know so much, we need to be reminded all the time of things we forget about. Did you know the population in this last week throughout the world grew 1,483,733 people worldwide? That's how many people are going to be needing water. 
the population now worldwide is 7 billion, pardon me, 7 trillion, 131 million. I'm sorry. I'm going to start all over until it's Monday morning for me. It's 7 billion people, 131 million, 74,435 people. Over 7 billion people are living on the planet Earth and growing every week with need, what we need to utilize water. Now there's water wars going on. It's been going on for thousands of years. Why do you think many countries are in the sand? There was once water, but all of a sudden they didn't know because they didn't have the modern technology for research that we have today to understand how to preserve and protect the fresh water. Water wars are raging over Ethiopia, and there's a dam being built, and there's a new announcement uh, that the Egyptian, Ethiopian, Sudan officials hope to reach an agreement on the Renaissance Dam, which has angered Egyptian officials because the Egyptian officials found out there's been a change in a plan. The second round of these talks follows a shift of allegiance from three countries. Sudan has historically sided with Egypt in claiming the lion's share of the river's water and veto rights over upstream developments. And remember, there's always these upstream where the headwaters come from that are causing a lot of problem what's going down below these waterways. But last week, there was support to Ethiopia from Egypt, then all of a sudden there's, there's always this conflict of challenges. Everybody wants to get along. They don't want to see water wars and out of control where people are so thirsty and so hungry that they can't feed the agriculture. They're not able to survive. Example over in the Jordan area, because of the Syrian refugees flooding into Jordan, by thousands, if not millions, they're, out of, they're running out of water. People don't think of, you know, we want to help other people, other nations with their decision-making, but guess what? It takes extra water. Here in the United States, we're running out of water, and the, the administration recently allowed China to sell China some of the water from the Great Lakes, and it's starting to drain down some waters there. And we're running out of water uh, here in the United States. So and Colorado has been feeding Arizona and New Mexico and California for many, many, many years water. In, in areas of the country where there's water shortages, what do you think is going to happen when people wake up in the morning and start having to ration water or pay for the tap to be on in their own sinks and their showers inside their homes? This can happen. But water is the most vital source of your life to fight diseases. There's nothing that will fight diseases more than water. Nothing will fight it more than water. Water is a solvent. Your body is 80 to 90% water. Outside this, your body, you're being kept alive by that invisible atmosphere of water. That's, that you can swim in it. You just don't see it. So remember every day how important it is that you understand 
Water is your life. The, the air you're living in, the atmosphere you're living in, is your walk of life. It keeps you alive. And that's what this show's all about. I want to invite you to listen today. We have a Mr. Armad, and I know I'm going to spell, pronounce this wrong. He'll correct me. Mr. Armad Sahota. He's a director of the Organic Mo- Monitor. He's from London, England. The topic today is going to be organic monitor events and what they've been doing to monitor the organic field of your health and your issues around the world. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. The moment you were born, that eyelid opened, the surface of your eye is 98% water. What do you think happens when the eye drop touches that tear film, that surface of the eye? It's a chemical. But it's dehydrating. It's 98% water. The evaporation is causing you a vision impairment, fatigue, exhaustion, sitting at the computer, exhausting. If you're driving a car and you get drowsy, it's because you're dehydrated. Your eyes are dry. Maybe you don't have enough burning and itching and blurring yet, but the eyes become dry from the moment you were born because they demand the atmosphere of the water to be able to supplement the, the surface of the eye. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only product worldwide that supplements that surface of the eye with 100% tissue culture grade of water with just a mist. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Mr. Sohoto. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Mr. Sahota, are you with us? Hello, good morning. Good morning I'm, from London. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, uh, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. And yourself, can you hear me well? I can, I can hear you. If you can speak up just a little closer to that receiver, I will appreciate it. Okay, is that better? That is a lot better. Now, right. when we, can I, what do you want, would you like me to call you during the show? Uh, Mr. Um, Sahoda? Or Mr. you, you want to go by your first name? 
at least in Sahaita, maybe easier than Amarjeet. Amarjeet is a bit of a mouthful, but, you know, okay, I always I'll say fine. Mr. Zahoda. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. And then how do you pronounce your name? Uh, my first name is Amarjeet. It's an uh, Indian, uh, uh, you know, of origin. Uh, so it's Amarjeet, uh-huh. yes. Amarjeet. Yes, but Mr. Zahoda is easier, so you can probably okay. fix that. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us today, and I was reading about you, and you're the founder and director of, of Organic Monitor, and it uh, says you've done that for 15 years. Now, um, you're in London. How long have you been in London? Um, I'm born, brought up here, and um, my, yeah, my family's originally from India, so I'm born and brought up here, and mm-hmm. I've been with Organic Monitor from the beginning, as you said, so... Uh, I set it up um, when we were initially a very small setup uh, to what we are today and uh, the events that we're doing worldwide. Mm-hmm. Now, what made you, uh, not, that's not the right word, because I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research. My field is studying the atmosphere and understanding the impact of your dehydration effects of living in the air we're living in and how dehydrating that is. When you decided to become the founder of um, the uh, Organic Monitor, wh- why, why did you do that? Why, d- what, wh- why did you decide you wanted to do something like that? Um, yeah, well, okay, that, that's a bit of a, a, a long story. Um, you know, to give you the summary version, I think um, uh, if you look at the world we live in today, I think consumers were becoming more and more questioning about the products that we buy, the foods that we eat, the clothes that we wear, uh, the products that we bring into our home. And this whole movement, organic movement or sustainable movement, is really a manifestation of that. So um, about 15, 16 years ago, I was seeing this trend, this development that um, consumers don't just want products which are uh, commodity products. They want something with that extra value, extra safety, or it's better for the environment or better for them. And uh, that's when I decided to set up um, my organization to track developments in organic and sustainable product industries all over the world. Right. In fact, I just had um, some people here from China over the weekend visiting with me, and uh, we were talking about the atmosphere and our products and and what we're doing with our products to supplement the atmosphere worldwide. And she, the one young girl says, Sharon, this is going to be a lifestyle. And what you're saying, uh, this is a, new, a lifestyle now that we're in. We all care about how we're living every day. And you're there to educate us and provide us the, the education, the comparables to understanding the organic, the, the, the improvement of a better lifestyle for our health issues of what we're drinking, what we're eating, and um, how to purchase. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I could not agree with that more. It's not just a trend in the USA, in the Western countries, but all over the world. You know, as consumers, as we're becoming more educated, we're becoming more informed, and, and we're also becoming more aware of the relationship between you know, good health, general well-being, and also the planet as well. You know, if, if our water is polluted, if the air that we breathe in is dirty, that's going to have a direct impact on our health. So all of these, all of these elements are linked. And as we're becoming more aware of these issues, that's when consumers are becoming more and more, uh, you know, more and more interested in these topics and taking the green route, whether it's organic foods, whether it's buying um, more health products, 
or whether it's you know simply drinking more healthy um, uh, healthy beverages, you know, as opposed to fizzy drinks. Exactly, and then there's another way to look at it. I was ran into something the other day, and I've often ran across it in my own studies. But mm-hmm. you know, your health and how you take care of yourself, how I take care of myself, is is a an influence on the atmosphere too. Individualities. If you're not going to take care of yourself, you're not you're going to not help the atmosphere we're all living in. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And, you know, just, just a simple example, if you're looking after your health, you're eating the right foods, you're taking a lot of exercise, then you're putting a less drain on the planet, whether, whether it's in terms exactly. of you know, eating more or whether you're... And you're drinking uh, enough water, you're adding yeah. an, 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 uh, to the atmosphere, moisture to the atmosphere because you're yeah. a healthier person and you're drinking enough water, you're eating the right foods you're sleeping correctly, you're getting moderate exercise, your outlook and your attitude will not be so angry, will it? <laughs> yeah, 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 also, also, we but, won't let's be talk so about... discontented every day. <laughs> no, I, I, I would agree, but also, look, look at the healthcare side, you know, if you're looking after yourself and you're eating the right food, then you're, you're being a less of a burden on healthcare, you're not having to spend so much, you're not having to take so much medication, which is also taking away exactly. resources. Exactly. Now, back to the word organic. Uh, it, it was the word organic was invented so far back. But explain to the audience worldwide what it means to you. The word organic. What's the description to you uh, as the founder of your, of your what you do? Okay. Uh, to, to me, organic uh, in the context of agriculture, it means the most sustainable form of agriculture. It's a way of taking plants or taking nutrients from the soil in a very sustainable manner whereby the soil you're, you're maintaining its fertility and that you're, you're replenishing it that you can continue to use it for another 20, 40 if not 100 more years. So it's a way of, it's a form of agriculture which is less taxing to the environment and it's a way of maintaining harmony with the environment as opposed to intensive agriculture which is very heavy on pesticides, insecticides which causes a lot of soil erosion and depletes the fertility of the soil over a period of time. So to me it's about, organic is about sustainability, it's about caring for the planet, it's about harnessing the planet and working with it as opposed to trying to maximize as much as you can out of the earth's resources. Now, we've had on the show from uh, South Dakota uh, organic farmer that does like 4,000 acres. It's a family generation. And they were teaching us how you can pull moisture out of the air with using less water because they do not have the rain there that they need. They only get like four inches of rain a year. So what they do is they learn how to till the soil with different seasons, with the cow manure, the hay, and the way to keep that heat in the soil, the temperature in the soil to draw moisture out of the atmosphere, the air, to give it the moisture, the nourishment that it would require to grow the crops. Have you been learning that around the world? Yeah, these techniques are fairly, I would say, fairly common. A lot of these are the so-called traditional techniques of agriculture. When when our agricultural industry was not so reliant on chemicals, um, this is how tilling was done, this is how soil was kept fertile. It was by using natural resources, whether it's manure, 
whether it's tilling or it's the different way that the that the soil is ploughed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think yes, this is this plays a very important role. Now, uh, when you were out there working around the world, what other kind of, uh, what, how far are you going? Are you uh, you're obviously based in London, but how many countries have you been able to, uh, let's say, give uh, work with? Okay, when I say working all over the world, um, uh, one of the things that we do, we do a summit called the Sustainable Food Summit, whereby okay. we talk about organic, fair trade, we talk about biodiversity, how this all contributes to sustainability. So uh, we do this summit, we have our next edition actually in San Francisco next month in January, January 22nd, 23rd. And uh, we actually do a European edition in June each year. And then we have a Latin American edition in Sao Paulo in Brazil. And on top of that, we do seminars and workshops in Asia. We've given in the Middle East and we've given in different parts of the world. So, uh, you know, what our organization does is we raise awareness of organic and sustainable foods. We help organizations take the green route. We tell them, look, you know, this is the advantages this is the opportunities in this market and this is how you can take and bring products into the market and how you can get consumers to become interested in them. So what we want to do is we want to encourage sustainable food production as well as consumption. So we also want to get more consumers to become aware of these issues that they are looking for the more greener options or the more healthier options in their lifestyle. Okay, so then when you're going into these summits... And your provide who attends the summits? We typically have up to, I would say, 180 to 200 business executives attending each summit. Now I'm going to back uh, you up for a second, and excuse me for interrupting, because I'll do that every once in a while, so we can uh, yeah, ask yeah. a question before you go too far. So the individuals that are attending the summit are they already in the business, or are there people that want to get into the business? That's, it's a combination. I would say about 80% are already in the business. Okay. For example, uh, the one we have coming up in San Francisco next month, 80 to 90% are already in the business. They could be food manufacturers, they could be ingredient companies, packaging companies, certification, inspection companies, mm-hmm. industry or farmer associations. Then about 15, 20% are investors or private startups that are looking to enter this business to see what are the opportunities, how they can come in, what products should they focus on. And sometimes it doesn't always mean finished products. It could be ingredients. It could be a new form of packaging. It could be a new way of, say, measuring the environmental impact of food products. It could be measuring mm-hmm. the water footprint of food products. So right. if anything's related to sustainable food, so the main business is sustainable food, but then you have a lot of ancillary businesses involved in, say, marketing, distribution, in packaging, in certification, and also mm-hmm. to inspect the products to make sure they are what they say they are. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, it, and there is a way for the audience to recognize if it's really a legitimate organic mm-hmm. uh, farming uh, group. How do they know that? Because if, if is it monitored so closely that if a person is turned in, they're really not organic, they'll be uh, fined? Uh, yes. In the, in the USA and here in Europe, we're actually we're very fortunate because the organic industry is very well regulated. In the USA, it's regulated by the USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So mm-hmm. you've got very strict laws whereby if any product 
uh, is labeled as organic and it's marketed as organic, it has to be. And if there, there's been a few cases in the last five years where some uh, fraudulent cases have appeared. A farmer has been uh, growing crops conventionally, putting organic label on there, then marketing them. Yeah. And in those cases, when they've been caught, they've had very heavy penalties, and some of them have actually been imprisoned. So it's actually against the law in the USA mm-hmm. to make a false claim to say your product is organic. But like mm-hmm. I said, these cases have been very few. I would say the vast majority, or I would say almost all organic products in the USA and Europe are actually what they say they are on the label. You know, uh, I'm, uh, my field has been studying water, and we're, we're the only water company like it worldwide, do what I do. Um, and I travel around the United States, and I'm in the car, and I go past the, the farmers and the agricultural fields and, the, and the, the businesses that they have, and I always thought to myself, I feel so sorry for them because you, they, they so are into the nature of what is happening with the climate change with the changes of our atmosphere because our atmosphere, the temperatures change. Yes, they have a good forewarning. Uh, there's a, a scientist now that can forewarn the farmer what may be happening, but all of a sudden they may have something to the atmosphere, uh, have a change, in it, or somebody by accident brings in uh, an insect, uh, some type of, a, of, a, of, a, of some, something that eats up their crops. And they're long, they're gone. I mean, they don't. I, I, myself was. We monitor ourselves so carefully every moment of the day, of everything we touch. We are the only company like it in the world. But the thing about it is, is the farmer to be able to monitor, to be able to grow for organic reasons. And and how do you perceive all that investment? into preparing for your seasonal crop, and then all of a sudden somebody brings in an insect. I, I, I agree, I agree. There's a lot of risks involved, but I think we should also look at it differently. You know, every civilization, you know, exists because they need to feed themselves, they need to replenish themselves, and I think we don't give enough respect to farmers. I think without farmers, we would not exactly. survive. We would not have exactly. enough food I agree with in you. our place. And I think that's one of the things which is really missing today in our society. I think too many consumers are disconnected from the farms. They don't know how their food is grown. They don't know how it's produced. And I think if more consumers were connected, I think they'd be a lot more appreciative of farmers. And secondly, they'll be a lot more respectful of what they eat as well because um, I think farmers are doing a fantastic job in USA, in Europe, all over the world because they're the ones who's feeding us. You know, today the population, it's uh, 7 billion of the world and, you know, the agricultural resources are becoming fewer and fewer. That means the farmers are having to work much harder just to keep, uh, you know, the populations of each country exactly. to sustain themselves. So I think they're doing a fantastic job and I think... Um, you no, know, I, I think, I think you're, this, this you're, you're saying something that is so important to say to our audience all over the world. Is what has happened to our society to to not respect uh, what other people are doing to make it possible for us to have what we need to have a better life? Uh, the farmer, the agriculture, from the beginning of time, it was so respected. And then mm. all of a sudden, it was like it's uh, taken so for granted mm. that what they're out there doing and all that 
uh, uh, seasons, and and their money, their hard-earned money, is going into providing us what we need. And some people mm-hmm. say, well, some of those companies are so huge; they're making an enormous amount of money. That's not the way to look at it. We they're out there trying to provide us what we need is the nourishment of our our nutrition, our diet, and to be able to give us the healthiness of choices to go to the market and purchase our diet, our nutrition for the day, the week, or the month. And that's at, at, at what people are doing out in those fields, out in the, for the pork and the cattle or the chickens and, and, and the beef. And uh, people are way taking for granted. They, they've got to start realizing and, 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 let's say, texting and emailing, thanking these farmers all over the world for what they're doing, what they're offering us. I, I agree, I agree. And I think one of the reasons is people are they're disconnected, but they also see a food company behind the products that they buy, but they don't realize most of these food companies are food manufacturers. They buy the produce from the farmers, and the farmers actually get a very low price. It's actually the food companies and the distributors that make most of the money um, you know, in the food supply chain. So when you're actually buying, say, um, uh, say when you're buying a, a bag of apples for say two U.S. dollars or three U.S. dollars, uh, I think less than 20% is actually going to the farmer. Exactly. It's going to be it's going to be the the packager, it's going to be the brand owner, and it's going to be the distribution. All those steps, all yeah. those steps in between to get to the what, and then they have a a little resentment that people are, that they're all trying to make some money. They've got to make money, or you wouldn't have any food. But I think also, you know, the, the, the point there is also to buy more fresh. If you're buying from farmers' markets, you're buying from uh, the community, community-supported agriculture or from home delivery from local farmers, that's probably the best way because you're going to buy it cheaper than the supermarkets, invariably cheaper from the supermarkets. And secondly, more money is going to go to the farmer who's doing all the hard work. And the third aspect is it's healthier for you. Instead of buying so much frozen food, processed food, buy fresh, cook at home yourself, and, it's, and the lifetime is far shorter as well. So if you buy it, if it's, if it's just been taken out of the ground... Well, what you're saying ago, here is that when you're be buying that you. fresh, you're, it's not traveling so far. Yes. Uh, and that's not, what you need to emphasize on is when you're yeah. buying really fresh, you're making mm-hmm. sure it didn't t- take three to four days to get to the destination because uh, as it gets from the crop into the truck, uh, it, it, that that atmosphere pulls new, nutrients out. It's piled up on each other. That starts pulling nutrients out and moisture levels and maybe stimulating a bacteria. So when you're able to buy when it didn't come so far, you're really getting the nutritional value that is important for your body to absorb. Uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. You're getting, you're getting more nutrients on one hand. Exactly. On the second hand, it's fresher, so it's going to taste better. And the third mm-hmm. aspect is the environmental impact is far lower because yeah. it's not traveling halfway around the con- country. And then you, it doesn't have to put so much preservatives or pesticides in it to keep it fresh. So I think right. if we can think more like that to buy more local, to buy more fresh, uh, it's better for us and it's better for the planet as well. And it's also better for the farmers where we can connect more with them and they get a better income than what they get from, say, the supermarkets or they get from the big food companies. We're going to take a break. Don't you go anywhere. 
uh, for a moment, and then we're going to come back and talk about the, the entrepreneurship of that. Uh, that's an enormous economic excitement worldwide for people to become entrepreneurs and become farmers. And, and I've got some ideas that we've had on our show here with people that are doing that. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We have to listen to our sponsor at least once between this show. Uh, we'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist. Did you know that Nature's Tears Eye Mist has a supplementation of tissue culture-grade water to supplement the surface of your eye? What causes the eyes to have vision impairment? is dehydration, evaporation, because the atmosphere is drying. Nature's Tears Eye Mist supplements that atmosphere to be able to absorb into the eye with a humidity effect with just a mist. If you wear cosmetics, it doesn't even drip. It's just a mist that absorbs to supplement the surface of the eye. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist, and we'll be back with our special guest. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Uh, you, you and I were just saying, uh, Mr. Sahota, uh, that. Uh, the organic, the farmers out there are, uh, are the kings and the queens and, uh, and all the world, uh, all that they're doing for us to be a great, for us to be appreciative of every single human being that does what they do to make, uh, the food come to our locations to purchase because without nutrition, we wouldn't be living. Um, but the, I noticed that, uh, it's become an enormous industry, the organic side of this. It's over $60 billion in U.S. dollars uh, globally and growing, I'm sure. Have you been able to uh, run into anything to, uh, with, about organic farming and greenhouses as entrepreneurs are starting to put their, uh, their uh, vegetables in greenhouses? Have you run into that? Yes, yes. Um, uh, well, the first thing is in, in many countries in uh, Europe, the climate is um, not so uh, productive that you can, you know, grow crops like peppers and salads and tomatoes throughout the year. So 
greenhouses are very common in parts of the UK, in the Netherlands, in Germany, etc. And what we have seen in the last 20 years is more and more greenhouses being set up for organic salads and organic vegetables. Yeah. So uh, that trend we've definitely seen. But coming back to what you said earlier was um, about uh, entrepreneurship. I think um, more and more, more and more people they're realizing that um, agriculture is, is fundamental to our existence in terms of providing us food and nutrition. And um, and some um, I did so many stories of so many bankers or lawyers giving up their professions after 15, 20 years because they want to reconnect with the environment and reconnect with society. So they're going into farming. So there's been quite a few instances where uh, very high-profile lawyers or solicitors, they've been giving up their high-profile careers and going into farming, especially organic farming, because they want to connect more with the environment and with the soil. Mm -hmm. So we've Mm -hmm. seen that happen in Europe. We've seen it in the USA. We've seen it in parts parts of Asia as well. And then also we've had on our show, we've had a lot of that, and we've also had uh, hydroponic gardening in greenhouses. Have you uh, been experiencing that? Uh, hydroponics, yes, but um, I, I'm not sure how well that sits so much with the sustainability movement because hydroponics is, is it's a good form of uh, growing crops, you know, with, with water providing all the nutrients, but... A lot of the, um, how can I put it, a lot of the idealists or a lot of the purists would say that it should still be in the soil, whereby, you know, you're uh, having a, a relationship with the soil where the soil is giving the nutrients and the plant is giving, say, moisture to, to the soil, you know, through the leaves mm-hmm. or through the roots, etc. So uh, hydroponics is happening, but I'm not sure it sits very well with a lot of the purists' view of sustainable and organic farming. Really, I'm glad I brought that up uh, because to me, uh, because the people I've had on, uh, they're using, uh, uh, they have, have large greenhouses. They use these motion of water. They put rabbits in there and keep the temperature uh, where it should be. And they're growing the most beautiful, I would have thought, organic. Uh, without the pesticides, without the, all the chemicals, they're using water instead of the soil, to be able to have these gorgeous vegetables. And they're even using uh, one of them that I had on, uses tilapia in the water. And so the water recycles through this from this big tank of tilapia fish. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that isn't really uh, classified as organic. I can't really comment on that, to be really honest. There's a difference. Okay. There's different regulations for organic in terms of what's allowed, okay. what's, not, what's not. But what I can say, that's not, um, it's not a traditional organic plant. Oh, I know. So, it isn't traditional. So, but, but, again, I, still, I'm glad I brought it up. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It, it may still meet the rules, but uh, it's not a very common one. Let's put it that way. Oh, right. No, no, no. I think it's a coming thing. I, re- I do. I've had it on, and I've had them on from east to west. Uh, to where individuals are getting into the hydroponic side of it, and the gr- huge greenhouses that they're and, and they're supplying to restaurants and and to uh, grocery stores, uh, uh, and uh, without having to have the pesticides and mar- and the colors of the of the vegetables and the flavor is just absolutely outrageous, and they're getting closer to home greenhouses. But I do believe that the world is waiting for entrepreneurs to get into uh, all walks of life of entrepreneurs and communities to get excited about wanting to become a uh, an individual in the business of 
of organic farming or green, mm-hmm. growing green in the greenhouses and getting involved. Not just the flowers and the bulbs, but getting into growing these the produce and these different vegetables that can be done done inside greenhouses too, and be controlled year round so they have a controlled environment and they have a business year round. Sure. One development that we have seen is that more and more urban farms. So um, exactly what you said before, but in a different um, context, whereby uh, farms are being set up on say roofs. And um, and sometimes restaurants or even hotels having their own right. private gardens where they're growing oh, their yeah. own crops or herbs and they're doing that organically because they don't want to add any extra chemicals to that. Exactly. And, uh, now, and you're example, just opening up another window there. Uh, are they doing that in England? Uh, I've seen where here in the United States, so many of our well-known chefs that are getting very entrepreneurish and they get a farmer closer to them to work with them and grow the crops for them to have in their restaurants and then they get what they want and how they need them grown for their specialties in their restaurants. So they have a relationship with the farmer. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fantastic way to do that. And um, and just one example, when I was in New York last year in the, the Intercontinental Hotel in New York, it's a sustainable hotel, and one of the things that they do on their roof, they grow a lot of their herbs um, that, to, that they use in their restaurant themselves, and they grow them according to organic methods. And I was very impressed mm-hmm. to see that, you know, to see a large uh, five-star hotel looking at sustainability whereby they want to grow their own uh, herbs that they can use in the restaurants themselves. And again, a big advantage there is the freshness, not just that mm-hmm. it's organically produced, but to mm-hmm. pick something and to put and to put it in a freshly prepared meal and to serve it, I think you mm-hmm. really can't get anything as you know as fresh as that. And the taste, we're after that fresh taste. And um, yes. have you ever gone to eat anything that you bought in a grocery store before you became where you're at today? And you go to cook it, and there was no flavor, even though it was fresh. And you can tell if there's no flavor. And well, of course, you have to prepare it well. I'm a believer of steaming, but. Uh, that if you're going to cook it, steam it, or put it, just chop it up fresh. But back to the whole thing. If you don't get any flavor, obviously there's no nutrition. I, I fully agree. And, and you know, um, to, to be really, really honest, um, this may not sound too great to your listeners, but that's one of the problems uh, you have in the USA. Um, here in Europe, we have the food industry a lot more regulated. So we don't tend to use so many pesticides and insecticides or growth enhancers in our fruit and vegetables as you do in USA. And from my own experience, you know, you can go to a, an American supermarket and you can pick up some apples. They look beautiful. They've got the right shape. They shine. But when you take a bite out of them, they have no taste. And the same with tomatoes. But in the USA, when I've been to farmer's markets, especially organic farmer's markets, I've picked up some fruit and it's probably tasted some of the best fruit in the world, you know, from the peaches and the pears that I've had from the Californian um, farmer's market because they were fresh and they were organically produced. And I think that's also another reason why quite a few consumers are buying organic foods and are buying organic vegetables because of the taste, because they're more authentic. They, they taste how they're supposed to taste, and they don't contain so many growth enhancers that they become supersized that they don't taste of anything. Now, and have you been to China at all? I've been, I've been to China. I've been, uh, I've, I've gone to Hong Kong 
a couple of times a year, but I've been to Shanghai as well. Now, what do you think they're going to do because of their um, smog, uh, the contamination in the air, uh, with the with their growth of growing a food? Did you ever hear? And I haven't asked if they have a lot of greenhouses that uh, that are growing their produce and their um, food. I think the China situation is a little bit more difficult than that. I think it's not a matter of the air being polluted, it's the water being polluted and even even labeling issues. Uh, You know, they don't have the same regulations that we have in Europe. Europe is very tightly regulated and the U.S. market is regulated, but in Asian countries, in many ways, they're unregulated. So a lot of the chemicals that they use in agriculture there, they would be totally banned in USA and in Europe. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not just the pollution. I think they've, they've made a big step from, say, um, using no pesticides, using no agri- agrochemicals in agriculture 50 years mm-hmm. ago to a very large number today. And mm-hmm. so when you look at their products, um, in some ways um, they look very similar to what you have in US and Europe, but the chemical composition, they tend to have a lot of heavy metals or a lot of mm-hmm. contaminants in there that would not allow them to be sold in Europe or in North America. So I think it's more than the pollution. I think it's a labeling issue as well. What do you think they're doing in India? Because India is having a water shortage, and it's a 1.2 billion population. What do you, how are they producing their agriculture? Uh, what is the success there? Okay, India, in some ways, it's similar to China, where they have no regul. Well, they don't have many regulations. It's not very well regulated. But mm-hmm. one upside about India is that it hasn't suffered the same level of air pollution that China has. Uh, you know, China, you've gone through this huge, huge industrial boom over the last 20 years, mm-hmm. and everywhere you see smog. You know, Shanghai is a good example. Uh, Beijing, not so much, but all the industrial cities, all you see is smog. And you see a lot of soil uh, pollution as well. India, you haven't seen so much. And another big thing there is uh, people tend to be more towards a healthier lifestyle in India than they are in China. You know, you've got the whole Ayurvedic movement and a lot of religious groups. They believe in only vegetarianism and they only eat food from the soil. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's if it swims or if it walks on legs, they won't go near it. So mm-hmm. we haven't seen so much of these issues regarding pollution in India. But you do have problems there in terms of production, in terms of having enough water, having enough land to meet right. the, the needs of a 1.2 billion population. Right. Now, where do you think in the world is the most conscientious and has uh, their, their growth has done a superb job to show the rest of the world they are concerned about the organic monitoring. They are concerned about the nutritional benefits of their society and their country. Which country do you think is the best? Okay, uh, uh, me personally, I hate I, to do I that think, to you, uh, but and yeah. from, from from our research as well, I think a Scandinavian countries, especially Denmark, okay. Denmark has done a fantastic job. Um, today, the market share of organic foods is 7%. That means 7% of all food sold in Denmark is organic. The market share of organic milk is close to 30%. Eggs mm-hmm. is 25%. So that means a quarter of all eggs sold in the country are organic. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just some history for that. One of the reasons was in the 1980s, 
Denmark, they had um, they had a lot of water pollution, whereby their water and their rivers were being polluted a lot by pesticides, by agrochemicals. And then uh, consumers, they, they protested against that. They said, well, look, you know, if we cannot drink the water from our taps because of all these chemicals, then what can we drink? And then that caused a big push towards organic foods. And mm-hmm. today, they've got the highest market share for organic foods in the world, 7%, and the market share expected to reach 10% in the next five years. So I think the Danish consumers have done a very good job. And one thing you also notice, when production of organic foods goes up, and companies get economies of scale, the prices come down as well. So Mm -hmm. the price of organic milk is only about 10, 15% higher than what it is for conventional milk. And for organic Mm -hmm. eggs, it's only about 15%. So you don't see this very high premium of 40, 50% as you see in other countries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, in the summit you're going to have, what is the agenda in the summit uh, for people to hear? you bring people together, and uh, many of them are already in the business. You said you have investors come, people who want to invest in these people. Is that what you meant? Uh, invest in businesses or invest okay. in the company. So um, there's investors. We 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 have um, some. We actually have um, some people from the some folks from the financial community, like private equity firms, venture capital companies, and banks. Uh, coming as well because they want to mm-hmm. see where they can invest. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a range of stakeholders. And mm-hmm. um, coming back to your question, you know, what's on the agenda? This is going to be our fourth edition in North America. And uh, this particular edition, we're going to focus on ecology. How can the food industry reduce its environmental impact by using more sustainable ingredients, but also by ethical sourcing and preserving biodiversity? So some of the topics that we're going to look at, and I've got to say, it's not all about organic. It's more about the wider sustainability issues. It's things like a monoculture, you know, how uh, intensive farming is about concentrating on just a few strains of crops and how okay. we need to have a wider range of um, uh, crops, more wider range of gene pools to make, it, to make um, agriculture become more disease-resistant. We're also looking at alternatives to proteins because there's going to be a very big shortage of animal proteins if we continue to keep eating meat the way we are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what alternatives can we get from soya, from quinoa, and from other crops? And then other things like GM labeling, which is a very big issue in the USA. How is that going to progress and how does that impact sustainable agriculture? And then things like palm oil, which is used in a very wide range of food products, uh, but production of palm oil is related to deforestation in Southeast Asia. So how can you guarantee your palm oil is sustainable? And mm-hmm. if not, what are the alternatives to that? So we're covering a lot of the sustainability issues, not just related to organic, but to the food industry, things like proteins, palm oil, uh, so do you bring into your summit people who are uh, into vegan and the scientists? You know, I've had on our show mm. from yeah. uh, the, the uh, Cleveland group uh, uh, to, uh, about or, uh, the, the vegan food that they've been saying. I've had on here uh, from Tufts University in Boston mm-hmm. on nutrition and science and studies. So do you bring people in to help them learn what is being understood about the latest uh, behavior understanding of, of certain new uh, methods to eat uh, your nutrition during the day so these people can see where the directions they're going? Yes, yes, we do. We do have um, people from academia and we do have people from NGOs 
talking about such issues. Uh, you know, all of this is related to sustainable consumption, is about related mm-hmm. to nutrition. So, yes, these topics are on the agenda as well. Because I need to tell you, I've been studying because I study dehydration of the body and how it's evaporating because of the air you're living in and the impact of that. That you're, you're not me to drink at least eight to ten glasses of water with nothing added in it. And then you need to have that proper nutrition. And we're learning that some people, because we're, we, we're dehydrating so quickly today, more than ever in history, we don't have enough real quality water vapor in the air the way we used to have. Almost ever, all the water vapor indoors, if you have insulated windows and walls, Forced air, heating, cooling, that's evaporating you. That's causing a dehydration. You walk outside and you've got another dehydration. You've got another temperature. You you travel the world. You've got another dehydration, another temperature, indoors, outdoors. We're bouncing around. The earth is changing. We're changing on the outside of our body. We depend and expect the nature of our organism to live with the vapor of water in the air. The nutrition, your food, is vital to slowing it down personally, individually. There are no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike. We're all different. So that nutrition, and then they're learning more about vegan. How can you get your protein out of plant the vegetables and get your fruits just right and not in too much carbohydrate and stay low in sugar? So there's, there's a trend there, like you said, and we talked about at the beginning of the show. It's a lifestyle. And, you know, isn't it fun? It's exciting. Are you still there? It's very exciting. Yes, yeah, it's I a very it's... exciting. Uh, but you know, I need to tell you, I'm in, I'm 72 next month, and uh, yeah, you'll ask me what do I do on my day off, and I'll say I go nutrition shopping. <laughs> wow. Well, well, it, it becomes like you said, lifestyle. It becomes your recreation. I mean, oh, on my is. day off, it's, it's the same. When I go to the supermarket, I spend maybe an hour there. And my yes. wife's wondering what you're doing because I'm so busy reading the labels and I want to make sure I'm buying the right products. And well, I'm and curious. not only just that, but uh, you see something new there and there's things yeah. you hadn't seen before. And, yeah. and and the produce departments, you're young, but boy, they have really grown. I mean, in this mm-hmm. country, you used to walk in and have a little bit of on a, a produce table. Now, my gosh, in, in American grocery stores, we have no end to choose from. And I'm enjoying every bit of it. I, and uh, what, the first time, have you ever been into a Whole Foods store in the United States? I, I, I was just going to mention, I think Whole Foods Market have done a fantastic job. And I oh, think the produce sections have expanded partly because of them, because they've done a fantastic job oh, with the produce they have. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm in Oregon. Have you ever been to the West Coast? Uh, I have. I have, I have now, well, I'm in Oregon. I'm down in southern Oregon. But one, one time I was up in Portland, Oregon, which is four hours from here, and I'd heard about Whole Foods, so I decided to go see what it was like. And I walked in, and I turned to my husband. I said, I think I just died and went to heaven. Wow, wow. Because <laughs> it was so beautifully um, displayed. It made you so appetite to do what's good for your health and your body. So the, the magic of what I had, but we only have a moment left. How would you like to leave your audience? I, I, I would just like to summarize the last, the first point I really said was that um, uh, today consumers, we need to become more educated um, about the relationship our health has with our planet. If you look after your health, you eat the right foods, you drink a lot of water, and uh, you have a healthy lifestyle, that's going to have a direct impact on the environment. Okay, we're out of time, and so you go to organicmonitor.com and look you up. 
Okay. Thank you. Well, you have a special season, and thank you so much for taking your time and joining us, and you keep up that good, that mission. Thank you for that. Thank you. You have a special day. Bye-bye. Bye. And be well. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, that was really enjoyable. Embrace your life. Every special moment, it belongs to you, but it also belongs to someone else. And Earth Whispers, never say goodbye because you'll leave something behind of yourself and lots of things to learn. The power of water is vital to our lives, and it's the plan of the, all the highest of all faiths all over the world. Thank you for listening. You have a nice day, and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel, with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Oh,